God's people said. You know, I, I was in I was in counseling. I was in counseling this week and and I, I was sharing a verse that God had put in my mind and my heart about when Peter was on the boat and he and he called out to Jesus who was walking on the water and he said, I, I want to come where you are. I, I want to I want to do what you're doing. I, I want to I want to go out there. And what Jesus say? Come on. Come on, and, and this is uh, this is going to sound like it, it doesn't have to do what we're talking about, but he had a measure of faith to step out of the boat. Y'all with me? Now, I don't know about you, but it takes some faith to get out of a boat in a raging sea and try to walk on the water. If you don't believe it, you try it. Y'all with me? It took a certain measure of faith to step out of the boat. But then watch, then watch. All right, here's the boat. Here's the boat. And there's Jesus way over there. Now he's leaving the boat, and he's headed toward Jesus. Y'all follow me? Now, y'all remember, there's a measure of faith that it takes to step out of the boat. Now, he had that measure of faith. But as he's walking on the water, and he is going toward Jesus, the Bible says the waves and the rain lifted up. And, and he took his eyes off Jesus, and he looked at the way. In other words, in other words, this is something God showed me this week. And man, it just, I, I just, I, I haven't got over it yet. The same measure of faith that it takes to step out of the boat, it may not be the measure of faith to get you to Jesus. You say, but I stepped out. Yeah, but you may need more faith. To walk on the water. In other words, God doesn't want you satisfied. God doesn't want you stagnated. God doesn't want you to stay in the same place of your faith. You may have enough faith to step out of the boat, but you're going to need some more to walk on the water. And you're trusted in the faith that got you out of the boat, and you quit reading your Bible. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing comes by the Word of God. And you quit praying, and you quit because you're still dependent on the faith that got you out of the boat. The just shall live by live. That means it's every day. We need it to grow every day. Are y'all with me? Now, that's just nothing commercial. But here's what I was listening to this song as they were singing. As I was singing, it says. He began to sink. How many of y'all have sunk in your spiritual life before? How many of you have felt like in your life that your, your, your nose was barely above water? The Bible says he began to sink and he cried out to Jesus. And, man. And immediately. Now he's way over there, and Jesus is way over there, but the moment he cries, he's looking at Jesus' hand. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. You know what I told me in this song? It don't matter where your measure of faith is. The moment you need Jesus, he's there. Can we give him praise and honor and glory? I, I want you to... I want you to turn in your Bibles real quick, and I'll let you sit down. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I, I, I'm usually, I am usually on Father's Day beating up the men pretty bad. Every Father's Day, they whine, 
you always say something good about the mamas, but you always chew us out. Well, guys, y'all get a break today. Say amen right there. And all the men said. We're not going to do no chewing today. We're going we're to look at our Heavenly Father. Our, sometimes I think we need to just be reminded of who He really is to us. Our good, good Father. Our good, good... You know, sometimes people don't have a real good understanding of our Heavenly Father because their earthly father was so sorry. Everybody didn't have a good daddy. Everybody don't have the privilege of saying, I have an awesome father who did... You know, that doesn't always happen, so that perception goes over to their heavenly father. If you grew up with a mean and bitter and, 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 and a father that was just abusive to you, sometimes that's the perception you have of our father in heaven. Well, that's not so. That's not so. Our Heavenly Father is nothing like our earthly father. And all God's people say it. Look in Romans 8, 14. Romans 8, 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Amen. But ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Abba means Papa. It is a term of endearment. Whatever you call, everybody's got different names. You know, Papa, Pop, Dad, Daddy. Whatever your term of endearment is, that's what he's saying we have that with our Father. Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Woo-hoo-hoo. I can't wait to the last point. Heirs of God. And join heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. Let's read, let's read the last sentence in verse 15 one more time. But ye have received the spirit of whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you for your mercy and your kindness. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege we have to be called the sons of God, the children of God, I pray today that you will glorify yourself in this message as we brag about you and we talk about the characteristics of our good, good Father. I pray that your perfect will be done in this service. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like And I've heard the tender whispers of love In the dead of night And it tells me that you're pleased And that I'm, I'm never alone 
Cause you're good, good Father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. And I've seen many searching for answers far and wide but I know that we're all searching for answers only you provide because you know just what we need before we we say a word you're a good good father it's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. And love so undeniable I can hardly speak And peace so unexplainable I can hardly think as you call me Deeper still, yes, you call me Deeper still as you call me, a deeper still into love, love, love. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am, your good, good Father. It's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am, your good, good Father. It's who you are. It's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who you are, it's who I am, it's who I am. Come on, church. He's a good, good father. Praise him. Wow. 
for years and years and years from the beginning of mankind. Man's relationship with God has been primarily master and servant. Master and servant. It's been through the Old Testament we find the potter and the clay, uh, the creator and the creature, the, the shepherd and the sheep. You know, he is, he is sovereign, he is king, he is God. And, and people on earth had a relationship with God as king and basically servant. King and servant. And Jesus introduced something, he introduced a change. He introduced a change that, that really changed everything that we see and everything that we understand about God in heaven. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, everything changed at that moment. The moment that they asked Jesus, they said, teach us to pray. We've seen you pray. We've seen you pray. We've seen what happens when you pray. And we want you to teach us to pray. And this is what Jesus said to them. When you pray, pray in this manner. And he tells them how to address God. He says, when you pray, I want you to pray in this manner. Our, come on everybody, our, our Father. Our Father. That changed everything. That changed the whole dynamic of the relationship. It changed how man can look at their God and their Creator. It changed the understanding of who God was to them and who God wanted them to be to Him. Our Father, not our God or our King or our Lord or our Sovereign. When we come to God, He says, I want you to come not as a servant to a, a, a Sovereign King, but I want you to come as a child to their loving Father. Somebody say amen. He's our Father. He's our Father. There are several characteristics that I, I took from God's Word this morning uh, to describe... Uh, as our Father, He, and then we'll, we'll, we'll put a word there. As our Father, He, several characteristics that we need to, sometimes I think we need to remind ourselves, as Him being our Father, this is what we can expect from Him. How many of you are glad that we can expect something from our Father? The Bible says this, it says this, We have not received the spirit of fear, again, from bondage, from bondage. But ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. I want to read a verse out of Galatians. Fellas, y'all don't have this. This is something I did this morning. Galatians chapter number 4. In verse number 4, it says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his servant, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. The adoption of sons. Why is that significant? Why do we need to get that? It says, because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. What's the big deal? The big deal is this, verse 7. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant. Thou art, say it with me, thou art no more a, a servant. What is a servant? Now, the word servant here is slave. You're no longer a slave. Our relationship is not one of master and slave. It is not one of bondage. It is not, somebody say amen. 
Listen, it changed. Everything changed. I'm not in bondage to fear anymore. I don't serve God because I'm afraid of Him. I serve God because I love Him. I serve God not because I'm a slave in chains with whips on my back and rules choking me down. No, no, I'm serving God because I'm a son. I am a son. I'm in the family of God and I do it because I love Him and I respect Him. Somebody say amen. You're no longer servants. You're not in this thing out of bondage. You're not in this thing out of force. He's not making anybody do anything. He's making His family available to whosoever will. And if you come to Jesus Christ, the Bible says God will give you power to become the sons of God. And when you become a son of God, you are adopted into the family of God and you get all the provisions of the family. Say amen. Now, I got to do this. I got to do this fast because I got like five points <clears throat> or maybe four. But I got plenty, so we got to go. Amen? Amen. As our Father, as our Father, I want you to write this down. Just, just one word that goes with this. As our Father, He loves. He Love. Say it with me. He, he loves. First John chapter three. First John chapter three. Behold, behold, what manner of love. Now, if you look that phrase up and study that phrase, it, it, it's like this. Wow. It, it is a phrase of. Of shock, it's a phrase of kind of unbelief. It's a it's a phrase of I really don't understand how this could be. What manner of love? Help me, help me. At what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God? Now, where do we see His love? Now we can go into all kind of stuff to see. You know, we can we can quote. For God so loved the world that gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believed in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We can quote, but God commended His love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, we could, we could quote all the verses that you want with that, but let's stay with, the, let's stay with the text. Where did He show His love the most? When He changed our relationship with Him. How can you not see how much God loves you when He changed your... <laughs> He changed your standing with Him. He changed your designation. We came to Him as the prodigal son. And the prodigal son came and said, Make me as one of the hired servants. I don't even deserve to be in the family. I've done went out and wasted all your substance on riotous living. But the father wrapped his arms around him. The father gave him a kiss on the cheek. The father put the best robe on him. The father put shoes on his feet and said, You're not a servant. You're a son. We all are the prodigal, guys. We all, listen, are the prodigal who are bankrupt without God. We are all the one who comes to God empty-handed without nothing. We are all the one who God the Father ran to meet us where we are. Somebody ought to shout right there. We could give an invitation and say it's been good. Say amen. He changed the designation. We don't have to walk around. We don't have to walk around as as slaves. 
We're not slaves. And slaves walked across the property. They walked across the property different than sons did. This is a crude illustration. But you know what? Every employee at Temple, when they come by my office, they knock on my door. Do you know what them monkeys that belong to me do? Walk right on in. You know why? As much as I love every, every volunteer and every servant here at Temple, they have a different standing than my children do. Do you get this? You're a son. You're a daughter of God. You're in the family. In his love to us. I wanted, to, I wanted to write subs underneath this. I just had them all going in. I said, no, I'll never finish this if I do this. But just think about this. His love is undeserving. Well, what have we ever done? The psalmist said it this way. What is man that thou art mindful of him? Who are we but a, but a, a, a speck of dust in the universe? His love is so undeserving. But then, this is the the best part. It's unconditional. Now see, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say it and somebody's going to get some help. I, uh, uh, when Kenzie's playing basketball, I'm sort of vocal. Uh, when, when, when all my kids are playing basketball, Becca, Becca's one. Mr. Thompson, are you in here? Coach Thompson, you in here? See, in the top. Do you remember the time at, at, at that game when, when that girl was like manhandling Becca and, and, then, and then she got tripped up in the middle of a fast break and she fell and Becca stopped to help her up? You remember that? Remember what I done? I'm not telling y'all. <laughs> I mean, I mean, this is a fast break. This girl's been just mauling her all game. And then, and Becca's so kind-hearted, she fell. And be, in a fast break, Becca stopped. I said, what are you doing? Get down the court. And that's when Coach Thompson first knew me. And he just turned around and grinned, Preacher. He didn't have to do that. Nobody in there knew who I was. <laughs> Till then. Man, I want them to perform. I want, I want McKenzie to block every shot that comes up. Not in this house, say, man. I want her to do like that one play. I mean, I w- but you know what? She don't have to do any of that for me to love her. She has to do it for me to like her, but not to love her. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. What's the point? What's the point? There are several people in this room today, and I don't, I don't want to do this because I, I hate doing this, but I, I need you to understand your heavenly father is not your earthly father. Some of you had earthly fathers that it was impossible to please. You couldn't do enough. 
No matter if you got an A, you should have had an A+. plus. If you had 20 points in a game, you should have had 30. And they created an environment around you where you felt like you had to perform to earn their love and you never felt like you could measure up to it. You never felt like you could please them and you spent the rest of your life now trying to please everybody else around you and it's creating a miserable life for you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, forget that garbage because you've got a heavenly Father that you don't have to perform. You don't have to do best. You don't have to do good. He loves you just like you are no matter what you do do he will not love you any less it's unconditional he loves me when I'm up he loves me when I'm down he loves me when I'm in he loves me with the mouth he loves me when I'm good he loves me when I'm bad it doesn't matter I don't have to perform I don't have to be the best preacher I don't have to be the best deacon I don't have to be the best singer I don't have to be anything he just wants me to be his son what love we should be called the sons of God. We have a different standing. It's not a servant. I don't have to perform. I'm a son. What do we got to do? Just be. Just be. Amen. Let's hurry. Let's hurry. Y'all making me stay too long right there. As a father, he loves. As a father, he knows. He knows. Let me, let me read this. Matthew 6, 7. This whole chapter is about money and, and pr- provision and so forth. Matthew 6, 7 says, But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they should be heard for their much speaking. Watch this. Be ye not therefore like unto them. Now read this with me. For your... Come on, everybody. For your He knoweth what things ye have need of when? I got some more. Watch this. This is great. In the same chapter, he starts speaking about life and the provisions of life and what you need to live and what you need to operate. Therefore, I say unto you, Take no thought for your life. You know, what, you know what that phrase literally means? It means don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. How many of you have got a 10-year-old sitting in your house and you want them to worry about the light bill? How many of you, how many of you, share, how many of you share the water bill and the light bill and the mortgage payment and the insurance payment and say, now guys, we're going to come, we're gonna have to do something. They don't even know it is. Most of them don't even know they exist. Because they shouldn't. It's like, I don't mean to, I don't mean to quote King George. But he said, that's my job. That's what I do. Everything I do is because of you. Now, if y'all don't know George Strait, y'all got problems in here. Some of y'all looking at me like y'all don't know that song. If you know that song, please raise your hand and tell me I'm in the right church. Okay, all right, thank you. And all this new country garbage is garbage. If your country singer's wearing skinny jeans, you got a problem. 
If he's wearing an earring and not a Stetson hat, you got a problem. I'm sorry, I don't know why I'm getting on all that, but I guess. The song said it best. That's my job. You know what what God is saying right here? Don't worry about your life. That's my job. He said, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, or for your body. In other words, your clothes. Is not life more than meat and the body more than raiment? He says, watch this. Behold the fowls of the air. They sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. In other words, all the stuff you're trying to do. Yet your heavenly, your heavenly feedeth them. Now watch this. Are ye not much better than they? Oh, yeah. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit into his stature? In other words, how many of y'all can grow by worrying about it? None. Zero. If that was the case, I'd be 6'4 and gorgeous. Say amen. I always wanted to be over six feet tall. I don't know why. That was just a thing. It never happened. Three, five, eleven and a half. God's got a sense of humor. <clears throat> you can't add nothing by worrying. You remember what the old saying says? Worrying's like a rocking chair. It'll give you something to do, but it won't take you nowhere. He said, what, what good is it to worry? Why take you thought? In other words, why, why are you worrying about your clothes? Consider the lily of the field. How they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. In other words, they're not worried about their looks. He says, yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory, probably the most glorious king of all of Israel, Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, don't worry. He says, don't worry about your food. Don't worry about your drink. Don't worry about your clothes. For all these things do the Gentiles seek. They're killing each other trying to provide this stuff. Watch this. Watch this. Give me the next one. For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your... Come on, keep on. He knows. He knows. But preacher, you don't know what my my need is. I may not, but I know who does. He knows. You know what? Honestly, I struggle with this point. I said, Lord, this is too simple. This is too simple. I mean, okay. How's that going to help me? How's that going to help me? There's another verse that says, He's counted every hair on your head. He knows. And you know, here's the thing. When you pray, understand, He knows. When you have a burden, understand. Come on. When, when something is breaking your heart, guess what? When you got something that's very pressing, He knows. Just to know He's aware of me. Just to, just to know that He is aware of my concern. The Bible says, Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Two different words. Same, sounds the same in the English. 
care and careth. But the second word careth means it matters to him. You see, he's not a, he's not a king in a palace who cannot be bothered with the issues of his subjects. He is a father in heaven who cares about his children. And he knows our needs. Even before we... He knows. Well, that's not really helping me if he just knows. Well, let me finish it. Number three, he provides. He provides. Look what it says. Look what it says. The very next verse, verse 33. Let me go back to verse 32, and then we'll tag it with verse 33. For all these things do the Gentiles seek. What? All the stuff you worried about. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Now watch verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and... 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 All these things shall be added unto you. Did you you see what it doesn't say right there? It doesn't say they shall be made available to you. In other words, you got to do what the Gentiles do to try to get it. They lie, they cheat, they steal, and they kill. They try to do everything possible to have their needs provided. But God said, if you'll just follow me, if you'll just seek my kingdom, if you'll seek my will, if you'll do what I'm telling you to do, I'm just going to add them to you. Are you getting this? Paul said it this way. My God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory. I'm, I'm going to say something, and I'm going to probably chap a few right now. But some of you are thinking, why am I so broke? Okay. Uh, let's put our seatbelt on. Uh, it may be because you've made some stupid financial decisions. It may be because you tried to buy stuff you couldn't afford. Because we have a problem in America distinguishing needs and wants. But if you go to a foreign country, if you go to a foreign country, you go to Nepal, or you go to the Dominican, you go to Russia, you go to, listen, India, where if they have enough food in their belly at the end of the day, they're wealthy. And when I say, when I say that God will provide your needs, they go stark raving crazy. You know why? Because their need is something to eat. Their need is some sense of shelter over their head. And God does that on a regular basis. So they will say, yes, God is true. That is right. God has made sure I had something to eat today. God has made sure that I had a shelter over my head. And they'll get all excited. But when I say God will provide your needs, here's what we're thinking. A a car payment and a boat payment and, and, and three credit cards. And we're suffocating with that. 
and we're thinking God's not taking care of us. When we have disobeyed, we have disobeyed the principles of God's Word, and we've created a mess in our own self, and when that, that suffocates us, we're saying God's not taking care of us. And I'm not, I'm, not trying to be, I'm not trying to be mean or rude or nothing like that, uh, uh, because I've, I've done the same thing. I've done the same thing. Took a, a car, we paid off, a Honda Civic. Me and Tammy first got married. We paid the last payment on it, drove it to the Ford place, and bought a, 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 an extended cab Ranger and got payments. How stupid was that? I say it like Dave says it. Dave Ramsey, that's stupid with zeros. And you know what's the sad part about this whole deal? Is that when we brag about a characteristic of God and say what our Heavenly Father does for us, we can't even get excited about it. I didn't mean to go into all that. But here's what I'm saying. If you're bankrupt today, God still takes care of you. If you lose everything you have, God's taking care of you. If you're breathing air, I've seen some starving people, but ain't none of them in this building. Hello? I'm going to keep preaching until y'all get it. Y'all might as well get with me. Our Father has been good. And I will say this. I will say this too, since we're on it. He don't just give us our needs. If we obey Him and do it His way, He gives us our desires too. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He will give thee the... Preacher, what are you saying we need to do? We need to fall back to the principles of the Word and start praising Him for what we've got, start being content with what God has given us. And if we learn to be content with what God has given us and not desirous and covetous of what everybody else is having, trying to stay up with the Joneses and trying to spend money we don't have to uh, impress people we don't like with things that we don't even want, maybe God will pour His blessings upon us and we will... Godliness with contentment is great gain. Listen... As our Father, He loves. As our Father, He knows. As our Father, <clears throat> He provides. He provides. He doesn't want us running around worrying about the mortgage. Listen, He wants to give us wisdom to know and do and make wise decisions on that stuff. But He don't want us worrying about it. He don't want us worrying about our food. He doesn't want us worrying. That's His job. He said, I'm going to provide. Now watch. If you will seek his kingdom, if you will seek his kingdom, he will take care of that stuff. Well, what if it's not being taken care of? It might be because you're seeking it. You're trying to do everything you can to seek that stuff. When God said, if you'll seek my stuff, then I'll just give it to you. Amen? Let's go on. This is so good. We just got to move right on. Uh, what number are we on? Four. Four. All right. As, as our Father, number one, He 
He loves. Number two, as our Father, He He knows. Number three, as our Father, He provides. Number I, I couldn't miss this one. This is this is really important. Uh, as our Father, He disciplines. He disciplines. Number four, write that down. He disciplines. We're over in, in Hebrews chapter 12. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 says, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards. That means illegitimate. You claim to be saved, but if you can go and sin and do wrong and do, do ignorant stuff and God not correct you and God not rebuke you and chasten you and scourge you ultimately and, and, and bring you back into the fold, you're illegitimate. You're not real sons. Furthermore, we've had a fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall, not, shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, I'm not going to go into all the details about the different levels of, of correction and discipline and all that kind of stuff. I'm just going to say this about this. God will discipline you because he loves you. And if you're saved, uh, you will be disciplined. If you are without discipline, God said that you are illegitimate. You don't belong to Him. Now, God doesn't do it because He's mad at you. God never corrects. Now, we have. There's been times, there's been times, if we're all honest, that we've corrected our children or disciplined our children more out of anger than out of, you know. My dad, he's so funny. Well, it wasn't funny at the time because he... he uh, he, he read a book one time and said, never, never correct your child in anger. And he said, that's a lie. Then you won't do it right. <laughs> no wonder I'm so warped. Amen. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm saying. God's not like us. Sometimes we get pushed by our children so far because we let it go and let it go and let it go and let it go until we get to the boiling point and then we blow up and then we correct wrong because we didn't correct right in the first place and do it the first time they acted ignorant. But I know I'm guilty of that too. God's never that way. God never loses his temper. God never overreacts. God always does the right thing at the right time every time. So what's the point? Every time God has to get our attention, He's doing it for our benefit. He's not doing it because He's, he's overreacting or He's angry at us or he, He's doing it to correct us. You know one thing the Holy Spirit helped me with a long time ago? That God's discipline in our life is never for punishment. It's always for correction. Now think about that a minute. God doesn't do what He does to punish you. He does it to correct you. You say, why is that significant to know? Because when you are corrected, it's over. Amen. How many of y'all have ever had a father or a, a parent uh, talk to you during the whipping? 
Does anybody have one like that? I mean, here you are. You got the, you got the belt in one hand and the, and, and the arm in the other, and the whole time they're, they're whipping you. They're saying, are you going to do that? And you're doing the happy dance, amen? Are you going to do that anymore? And you're saying, no, no, I won't never, I won't never do it. And you know, you'd think they'd understand. You can quit now, I won't do it again. But no, they keep whipping you until they feel good about it. But you know what? God's not that way. When it's done, when you're corrected, it's over. It's over. When Jonah said, I tell you what, I'm going, Lord. <laughs> I'm not running anymore. Guess what? He spit him up. It's over. I don't know about y'all, but that's wonderful to me. As soon as I humble myself and I get right with God and say, I'm sorry, it's it, it's over. The discipline is done because our Father, He doesn't discipline to punish, He disciplines to correct. And as soon as the correction takes place, He welcomes you into the fold. Church, say amen. Lastly, he disciplines. And guys, I'm telling you, I promise you, if you're saved, you can't mess around with God. You just can't. Because you may have gotten away with stuff with your earthly father, but you won't with your heavenly father. Amen? Write this down. As a father, he loves. Say them with me. Number one, as a father, he As a father, he as a father, he, as a father, he, lastly, write this down. As a father, he leaves. He leaves. I know what you're thinking. What? What do you mean he leaves? Proverbs 13, 22. <clears throat> a good man leaveth. Say that with me. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. Think about that a minute. Not just to his children, but his grandchildren. What he does in his life not only affects his children, but his grandchildren. And the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. Now, what kind of father would we have if he put in his word, a good man leaveth an inheritance not just to his children, but to his grandchildren? What kind of father would he be if he didn't do that for us? Let me give you another verse. Let's go back to where we started. Romans eight sixteen. The Spirit itself beareth witness... With our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then, then an heir will inherit something. If you are an heir, that means you are an heir to something. Y'all with me? Watch this. Heirs of God and... That means Christ... Is your brother. 
In other words, everything that Jesus got and everything that Jesus owns, we own it together. You say, well, what did he get? According to my Bible, the Father gave the Son everything. Y'all ain't getting it. Watch this. Watch this. 1 Peter 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an... to an incorruptible, undefiled, and fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, and there's not even an inheritance tax. It's waiting. It's being reserved. I never had no rich folk in my family down here. But spiritually, I'm loaded, bud. They talk about they talk about my ship comes in, that sucker sunk. Say amen. But I have an inheritance that's waiting on me. Now watch this. This is just thought. I got no, I don't. I don't have no time, but I'm gonna tell you anyway. A good man spends his life to do something for the next generation. Now think about this. He spends his life earning and working and serving and and building. What is he doing while he's spending his life thinking about the future of those to come? Has it dawned on you yet? Jesus spent his life to create a future A good man, a good father, leaves an inheritance. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you leave here without without a true understanding that you have a loving, good, good father that loves you, he knows your need, he provides for every need, Listen, He disciplines you when you need it because if we are out, we can't have the blessings of God on our life, so He corrects us to bring us back in, and He has left us an inheritance. If you can't get happy about that, then you don't know Him. Can, can, can you help me by standing to your feet and helping me give God some praise and some love and some honor? It's Father's Day. Let's honor our Father in heaven. Come on now, give Him praise and honor. Yes, amen. How many of y'all are grateful for that list of things? Say amen. Amen. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings and your kindness and your mercy and for all 